Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Hi folks, this is the inaugural episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Episode 1. Gonna be a collector's item someday. If I'm lucky. As the intro said, I'm Michael Kingswood and I've been writing for a while. Uh, even before I left the Navy. Got a bunch of stories published and... Getting them into audio format. And since I have a bunch of them in audio format, I figured I'd uh, start a podcast show. Share them... Uh, for the stor shorter stories, one at a time, and for the longer ones, chapter by chapter or scene by scene, as the case may go. And uh, see if you guys like them. Stir up a little interest. Why? Well, because I love you guys and want you to be happy. And because I want to make money. And what better way to make money than to throw a whole bunch of great stories and product out there and let people have a nibble every now and then. Kind of like the drug dealer on the corner. Here's your free taste. Come give me money for more. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm a mercenary. What do you expect? Anyway, um, so the way this will work is uh, probably on about a weekly basis. I will put a clip up here with, as I said, a short story or a sh segment of a longer one. Typically, for the longer ones, I will go segment by segment until the whole thing's done before I move on to the next story. I did this a bit on YouTube as well. I have a channel there. I kind of been on hiatus with it for a couple months just because I frankly I wanted to get more audio files ready to go because uh, a lot of the YouTube videos are me reading which is fine and cool in a you know homey down-to-earth kind of way but I'm not exactly a professional voice actor so I wanted to get a few more audio files ready to go so I could intersperse my amateur readings with some professional stuff and frankly, I've been kind of busy with uh, transitioning out of the Navy and the new job and family stuff, and I haven't really been doing it much. But that's all changed. Things have settled down now, and it's time to get serious about this YouTube and podcast thing, along with the writing that I would continue to do. So that's the plan here. So for this first episode, I'm going to start off with a bang for this first few 10 or 11 episodes anyway. Um, going to share with you a novella I wrote called Veritas Morte. The conceit for this was I was watching Voltron, because Voltron's awesome, and I got to thinking, what if Prince Lotor didn't realize that he was the crown prince of the evil galactic empire? What if he wasn't the slavering, kill them all kind of psychopath that he is, and was just, you know, a guy who was getting ready to take over the throne when his father retired or passed on and what the Empire did was just normal and he didn't realize it was evil so that kind of grew into uh, this story um, the main character is a guy named Lucian and uh, he is off on his first campaign with dad outside of the Empire first military campaign and stuff happens and he has to deal with it and yes, and he comes to some understandings about what his uh, 
great and mighty empire actually is and has to deal with that as well. It's not a super long story. I think it was told out about 17,000 words. The audiobook format is a little bit under two hours, uh, spread through about 11 scenes. I didn't break this one up by chapter, just by scene break. Um, so for the next uh, month and a half or so, two months, uh, I'll be sharing this with you, and uh, hopefully you like it. A uh, great narrator named Keith Mickelson did the audiobook for me. And since we were non-exclusive through uh, iTunes and Audible, we can take it anywhere. And so I'm sharing it with you here on this podcast. Hopefully you like it. Uh, we'll go and uh, get it started. And I'll talk to you again briefly at the end. Thanks for listening. Veritas Morte, a science fiction novella by Michael Kingswood. Narrated by Keith Mickelson. Lucian paused before the entrance field to the side door of his father's audience compartment and straightened his sash, royal purple as befitting his station, then settled his belt more comfortably over his hips. His rapier jangled softly in the quiet of the corridor as he drew himself up to his full height and inhaled slowly. Then, with a quick nod to himself, he stepped forward. The door slid open soundlessly as he broke the entrance field, and he absently noted two of his guardian drones zipping through ahead of him, their sensors probing for threats even here. You never knew where an assassin may lie in waiting, but it seemed far-fetched indeed that someone would make an attempt on his life in this place. But, as his chief of staff and tutor, Abernathy continually reminded him, complacency had brought down powerful men since before Caesar was knifed by his friends in the Senate. Lucian tried not to dwell on that bit of cheeriness as he strode through the door, passing two marines in their ceremonial armor, with its gleaming polish and engravings. The two, already standing at rigid attention, seemed somehow to stiffen further as he passed, and they snapped their rifles to present arms in unison. He spared them a quick nod, and then, just as quickly, put them out of his mind as he passed into the compartment. It was large as far as spaces went on board ship, but though the ship's designers had done their best to recreate it, the compartment was a far cry from the throne room in the Imperial Palace on Korra Seven. Fluted columns of blue-gray faux stone lined the room from the main entrance to the dais at the end where a replica of the imperial throne sat, just as they did back home. But the dimensions were less grand, the filigree less gleaming, the carvings and tapestries replicas. Still, Lucian had to admit it was an impressive sight. Had he not grown up in the palace and gotten to know every twist and turn intimately, he would have no cause to voice complaint and one reason to prefer this to the real thing. He raised his eyes to the ceiling as he always did when he came in here. As back home, it was all crystalline panes carefully treated to remain transparent, despite the lights within the chamber, and inlaid in supports so thin, it seemed they could not possibly support the weight. But while on Quora the view beyond consisted solely of the blue-pink sky and the myriad puffy white clouds that roved on the whims of the winds, here... He beheld creation in all its majesty. There the star field lay, far more dense than could ever be seen planet side, and from this location the halo of the galactic center, 
where a mammoth black hole sent brilliant beams of light to the far edges of the cosmos, was clearly visible. It always took his breath away. Lucian? He pulled his eyes down from the stars and turned to fully face the dais, where his imperial majesty, Archibald Bandamir, ruler of the Korathi Empire and protector of the Chosen, stood with his chamberlain and a cluster of high-ranking officers of the fleet and ground forces. More marines stood along the wall behind the throne, still enough that the eye almost passed them over without noticing, and Lucian saw Abernathy waiting as well, off to the side. But he paid his aid no mind, instead striding quickly but not so quickly as to break decorum straight toward the dais. The emperor wore his curly, coal-black hair, so similar to Lucian's own, cut short on the sides and top, but long at the back, as tradition dictated. His uniform was white, a contrast with the charcoal gray of his officers and Lucian's, and he too wore a sash of purple, though his also bore the golden half-moon and star of rule, while all others were bare. He wore a rapier on his left hip, balancing a holstered pistol on his right, and his boots were polished to a mirror shine. Father, Lucian said as he reached the group of men. He bowed deeply to the emperor, both hands cupping his heart as he rose. Forgive my tardiness. The emperor made a quick dismissive wave of his hand that seemed to say, no matter, but he said nothing for a time. His eyes traced up and down Lucian's body as though looking for blemishes. Finally, after an interminable pause, he sniffed and gestured toward the officer to his left, a man in his late middle years whose close-cut sandy hair failed to conceal the presence of multiple silver strands in its mist. He had once been lean, but now possessed a noticeable paunch, and he wore the pale blue sash of the fleet over his dress uniform blouse. Admiral Corrigan was just briefing us on the status of the Corellus campaign. Lucian's ears pricked up, and he could not suppress an excited grin. The admiral noticed Lucian's expression and returned it with a knowing smile of his own. Eager to get a piece of the action, my prince. I recall my first campaign like it was yesterday. Why, I— The emperor cleared his throat, and the admiral stopped speaking abruptly. He looked abashed for a moment before he regained his bearing and took on a more formal tone. As I was saying, your majesty, Task Force 17 has taken up blockade stations around Neo Novos 6 as fragged. Orbital defenses have been eliminated, and now we control every jump point in and out of the system. I project that without resupply, the colony will only be able to sustain its defense fields for three weeks at the outside. At which point, the Marines, Admiral Corrigan nodded at the burly bald man to his left who wore the Marine Corps' red and gold on his sash, will assault. How long to take the planet? Two months, Your Majesty, the Marine General stated with quiet assurance. Though, as previously briefed, we can expect some level of insurgent resistance for a year or more afterwards. The Emperor nodded. Very well, gentlemen. In that case, an electronic chime rang, and the Chamberlain darted to the side where a data pad was mounted on one of the columns, so as not to be readily visible from in front of the throne. He tapped the screen and frowned slightly. The delegation has docked, Your Majesty, he said his falsetto voice seeming to set his jowls to flapping as he moved his jaw. Compared with the military men present, he seemed the epitome of sloth in his billowing blue silk kimono, the fat of his belly and arms swaying lasciviously with every move. 
But appearances could be deceiving, Lucian knew well. Minister Mercian has made the initial greeting and expects they will arrive within three minutes. The Emperor nodded again and said, We will continue this later. Then he gestured quickly with his left hand. At once, the gaggle of men dispersed to their places on the edge of the dais on either side of the throne. The Emperor gave Lucian a meaningful look and turned to ascend the stairs to his seat of power. Lucian followed, taking up station to the right of the throne and a half-pace behind. Then he settled into parade rest. They did not have long to wait. True to Minister Emerson's report, three minutes later a chime sounded from the main entrance doors. A second later, the heavy foe wood swung inward, and a contingent of armsmen strode into the audience compartment in two columns. The new arrivals wore green and brown fatigues with electroplate armor fastened over vital areas, and bore repeating rifles at identical angles of port arms as they strode into the room. Side arms and dueling blades on their hips completed their kit, and they had the appearance of well-trained and disciplined fighters. Lucian found himself impressed and surprised. Capistra had a reputation for prizing peace above all things, and that did not tend to breed a warrior ethos in a people. But if these men were any indication... The escort stopped and performed a well-timed right-left face, then once facing each other, took two steps back to open a path between their two columns. A single voice barked in order, and immediately they went to present arms. Minister Emerson entered the room next, striding briskly between the newcomers, until he reached the end of the columns of men. Like the Chamberlain, his kimono was blue silk. Unlike the Chamberlain, his body was lean and hardened from strenuous training, and he stood proudly erect. His black hair and beard were cut short, and his dark eyes flashed with intelligence and... irritation? Before Lucian had time to ponder what had irked the Minister of Diplomacy so, Emerson stepped to the side and announced in a loud voice that carried easily throughout the chamber, Your Majesty, it is my honor to present Her Highness Princess Ophelia Timison of the Capistrani Republic. A faint rustle issued from the signs as the military officers shifted on their feet. Lucian almost lost his bearing from surprise. No wonder Emerson was irritated. Princess, Lucian said to himself, disbelieving. They sent a woman to treat with us? Lucian could just see the Emperor's profile where he stood, but the sudden frown that appeared there was plain. He glanced back Lucian's way and gave him a hard look. The Capistroni, the Emperor said quietly, have some quaint notions about a woman's place. Hold your tongue. The last came like a whiplash, and Lucian clamped his teeth shut, lest he say something more. And then... The princess swept into the compartment, and all thoughts left Lucian's mind, except awe. She did not stride so much as float. Her movements were so graceful. Her form was long and lean. She was at least as tall as Lucian, and he stood well above average. Her arms were toned, advertising similar sculpting in her other areas, and though her dress fit the requirements of modesty, it did not conceal so much as accentuate the curves beneath. Sky blue, trimmed in white and silver, the fabric clung to her hips enticingly before it fell to the level of her ankles, and on her torso it was just snug enough to show off the curves of her breasts without revealing too much. The neckline was nearly chased, it was so high, 
The string of pearls around her neck almost rested on the fabric of her dress. Her hair, black at the roots but shifting slowly to blue silver at the ends, flowed in lush waves to just past her shoulders and was held back from her face by a silver tiara that was all the more elegant for its simplicity. And her face, narrow but not gaunt, rounded but not plump, her gray-blue eyes flashed with intelligence and poise, and her lips were turned ever so slightly upward in a knowing smile. Lucian found he could not look away from her, and suddenly his heart was all aflutter. Princess Ophelia came to a halt alongside Minister Emerson and made a shallow curtsy of greeting. Your Majesty, she said, and the warm timbre of her voice sent a shiver of delight up Lucian's spine. If he was not careful, he was going to lose his wits. He forced his eyes away, focusing on the side of his father's face as the Emperor rose and returned the curtsy with a half-bow of his own. Your Highness, we are honored to make your acquaintance. And I yours. She looked around quickly, taking in the military officers and Lucian at a glance before refocusing on the Emperor. Your ship is impressive. The Emperor smiled warmly. We have worked hard to make it so. At a gesture of his left hand, the Chamberlain advanced from his position. I have prepared the Empress's suite for your use during your stay. Lord Morsi will show you the way. The Princess inclined her head smoothly. I wish she were here. I had very much looked forward to meeting her one day, as her beauty and kindness were well known throughout the systems. My deepest condolences, Your Majesty. The Emperor froze for a second his smile becoming brittle. Lucian was not sure anyone else would have noticed, but he had learned to see the signs of pain, pain that matched his own at his mother's passing, beneath the Emperor's carefully manicured exterior. He recovered quickly and said, Thank you, in a quiet tone. Then he drew a deeper breath and added with more of his usual force, You must be tired from your journey. Please take your ease, and then I trust you will join my son and I for dinner. Her eyes flicked back Lucian's way, this time lingering for nearly a full second. As her gaze met his, another shiver went up his spine, and he had to restrain the urge to shift on his feet. Her smile changed then, becoming more direct, almost challenging. And then the moment was over, as she looked back at the Emperor. It will be my pleasure. The Emperor nodded. We die not nineteen hundred. Until then, Your Highness. He bowed again, this time in dismissal. She had to know it for what it was, but if she took offense, she did not show it. But then, why should she be offended? The Emperor's domain spanned three dozen star systems, while she represented a small planet at the hub of a middling alliance of a half-dozen worlds and she was a woman besides. There was no doubt who outranked whom here. The princess returned the bow with the same shallow curtsy she had made upon arrival. Your Majesty, she said by way of farewell. The chamberlain reached her side and gestured for her to come with him, speaking softly. As she turned to follow him out, her eyes met Lucian's one last time, and then she was gone. He swallowed heavily, suddenly realizing he was sweating. 
Maybe this bit of diplomacy was not going to be so boring after all. So that's the end of the first scene. As you can tell, Lucian's in for an interesting time out there on his first campaign. We'll be back next week with the next scene. You can see what comes of it. Or if you can't stand to wait, you can always go buy the book. The ebook is available exclusively on Amazon for the moment. Eventually, I'll send it out to the other stores, but uh, experimenting with the exclusive Amazon thing to see how they're the extra perks that they give you for being exclusive workout. But you can get the print book pretty much everywhere and the audiobook at all the usual suspects. Um, you know, obviously iTunes, Audible, Amazon, but there's also, you know, at least a dozen smaller stores out there where you can find it. Because uh, in general, I don't believe in exclusivity, despite being exclusive to Amazon for the audio, for the ebook on this. That's just an experiment. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you like today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyright Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.